Thessalonians chapter 5. The name of the message is salvation assured through Christ. It's assured. It's assured in Christ. And we'll look at a couple verses here in chapter 5, which will clearly bring that truth forth for us. And I pray the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures and teach us the things of Christ and give us comfort. We need comfort, don't we? We need hope. We need strength. And scripture says, in our weakness, he's strong. Also says that God is the God of all comfort. And why? In verse 11 of chapter 5, it says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as is also you do. And how are we comforted? Well, by the preaching of the gospel, isn't it? That comforts our souls. Let's read again verses 1 to 11. The scriptures declare in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, again, Paul's writing this to the Thessalonians, a young, recently young church, which is being established in Thessalonica. And he brings forth some great truths here before us. He's speaking of the times, time of the Lord coming back, and he tells them here in verse 1, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves you know that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. It's coming. Coming when no one expects it. No one expects it. For when they shall say peace and safety, this being the unsaved, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as a travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. They're not going to escape the judgment of God. Not going to escape at all. Even those who have died dead and trespasses of sins, they're not going to escape the judgment of God too because their body is going to be raised up in corruption. My, oh, my. It says here, but ye, brethren, speaking of God's people, are not in darkness. We're not in darkness anymore. We were in darkness. We're going to see that. We were in darkness. But we're not in darkness that they should overtake you as a thief. Because we're looking for Christ. We're not looking at the signs. Remember last week? We're not looking at the signs, but we're looking for Christ, aren't we? We're, we're waiting, and every day we look to Christ. I saw a post on Facebook this week. I, I don't know why I read some of these, but I read this one, and someone was talking about repentance. And, and uh, you know, religion puts great emphasis on repentance. Well, we repent every day, don't we? We go to the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, forgive me for thinking that way or forgive me for doing this or forgive me for doing that. We repent every day, Lord. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> every day. And that's because we have faith in Christ. And faith and repentance are like two sides of a paper. Right? You won't find faith without repentance. And what I love, I love what the I love absolutely love what the publican said, and he said it with a repentant heart, didn't he? God be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs> and God said that man went home justified. See, that was repentance. That was heartfelt repentance. Oh my goodness! People who have to measure repentance and measure how much a person does or doesn't do, ought to read that verse, right? Ought to read that verse. But anyways. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that they should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light. That's all God's born-again people. Children of light. Sons of light. And children of the day. You are not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. But let us watch and be sober, right? Watching for the coming of Christ. Just looking to him every day. Just looking to him. Lord, if you come back this day, I'm going to rejoice. But if you don't, I'm still going to rejoice. If you don't come back in my lifetime, I'm still going to rejoice, Lord. <laughs> and then when I die, I'm going to rejoice with you forever in glory. Hallelujah. Therefore, let us not sleep as others as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Verse 7. 
For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. Now we know the armor of God all points to Christ, right? It all points to him. Someday we'll do a study on the, on the armor of God, and it's all Christ. It's all him. And God puts that armor on us. We don't put it on ourselves. God puts that armor on us. I remember talking to Norm Wells one time. We were listening to a young, a young uh, man teach who was in the Grace Church teaching, and, and he said, well, let us get up and put on the armor of God and do all this. And, and Norm said, I said after the message, I said, well, what would you think? And he goes, there's, there's one thing that stood out to me. And I said, what's that? And he goes, we don't put on the armor of God. God puts it on us. It's Christ. We're in Christ, beloved. We're in him. And we walk in him now, don't we? We live and move and have our being in him. Oh, my. So think of that when, when we read this here. It says, but, but we who are the day, we who are in Christ, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. Who's our faith in? Christ. In Christ alone. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Who's our hope of salvation? Christ. The belt of truth. Who's the way, the truth, and the life? Christ. The sword of the spirit. Oh, my. The word of God. My, oh, my. The shield of faith. Who's our faith in? Christ. <laughs> it's all him, beloved. It all centers around him. But look at verse 9. Verse 9 and 10 are what we're going to be looking at this. Look at this. And remember, he's writing to a very young church. It's a newly established church. And he says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, that being life or death, we should live together with him. And then he writes this in verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Let these words comfort you, beloved. Let them give you hope. Now, the Thessalonians had groundless fears for their departed friends in Christ. But we see here in this portion a verse which brings forth full assurance full assurance for God's elect, for his people, whom Christ died for 2,000 years ago, or over 2,000 years ago now. And what comfort these words of verse 9 can bring to, to we who are the born-again, blood-washed people of God. This verse brings assurance. This verse brings hope. This verse brings comfort to God's people. To those who are trusting in the complete finished work of Christ that he's done to perfection. The question is, are you trusting in Christ for the salvation of your soul? Are you trusting him for everything and nothing that we do? That's the question. Because the gospel, the true gospel of God's grace proclaims that Christ alone finished the work. That, that our salvation has been obtained by Christ. And we obtain it by him giving it to us. That's all. We're just receivers of this mercy and grace. That's all we are. And this salvation is dependent on nothing we do. It's all dependent upon what Christ has done. He shed his blood for the remission of our sins. He shed his blood to purchase our eternal souls. He extinguished the wrath of God that was rightfully deserving of me for my sins. And for you, for your sins, and he's extinguished it for us. It's absolutely incredible. This verse brings forth these, these truths of the perfect work of Christ for the salvation of his people. In verse 9, we see also that God's almighty will and purpose at work. We see it totally at work in this verse. 
And we see that nothing can frustrate his will. Absolutely nothing can frustrate the will of God. Do you know when people say God's done all he can do, the rest is up to you? That's a frustrated God. It's not the God of the Bible. That's why I say that's a frustrated God. Because that's not the God of the Bible. That's not, that's, the God of the Bible can never, his, his will and purpose can never be frustrated. Never be thwarted. Never. What hope that gives us, who are poor, needy sinners trusting in him, to know that the work of salvation which he accomplished for us can never be frustrated, never be altered. Never. Nothing can frustrate, and no one can frustrate his will and purpose. God's will and purpose is absolute. Or it wouldn't be God's will and purpose, would it? No. See, our wills and our purpose can be frustrated, can't it? Sometimes God just says no to us. Because he knows it would destroy us, the things we ask for. There was a man in Spurgeon's church who inherited a huge amount of money. A very, like, I would think it made him a millionaire or, or more, multiple more of that. And you know what he said when he heard the news? He said to the fellow brethren at the church in a little prayer meeting they were having before the service, he said, may we be diligent to pay, pray for our brother because now he faces an enemy far more, far more. Because what happens? People get comfortable. People get, they, oh, I got all this. I don't need God as much as I thought I did. No. We need God whether we're rich or poor, don't we? Whether we're healthy or sick. My, oh, my. So Spurgeon said he faces a temptation far, far more than anything he's ever faced before. But God's will and purpose, it cannot be frustrated. And so therefore, because his will and purpose cannot be frustrated, salvation is assured for you and I in Christ. It's assured. It's done. It's done. Again, we preachers, we stand up and we, we proclaim what Christ has already done. And the Holy Spirit makes it effectual, right? Regenerating the hearer whom Christ died for. And given us faith to believe. My oh my. Someone says, well, I don't know if I'm one of God's elect. Don't worry about that. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I'll tell you, if you believe on him, you're one of his people. <laughs> if, he, if he's given you faith to believe the true gospel, the gospel of a perfect sin atoning work accomplished by Christ, nothing with we do, you're one of his people. Isn't that wonderful? My, oh, my. So, as, be, or because God's will cannot be frustrated, because God shall save his elect, he'll get his sheep no matter where they are. He'll bring them under the sound of the gospel. And they'll hear the gospel, and they'll be given ears to hear and eyes to see Christ. They'll be born again by the Holy Spirit of God. They'll be given faith to believe on Christ. And because that, that truth is true, what a hope we have and what comfort that can bring us as God's people. Christ has saved us. He's going to keep us. And he's going to bring us home. We're sure to that. And it's not based on anything we do. Isn't that wonderful? People say, oh, you talk like that. People go do whatever they, whatever they want. No, they won't. Love of Christ constrains us from sin. Doesn't it? Let's read verses 9 to 11 again. Again, Paul's writing to this, the saints at Thessalonica, the born-again, blood-washed believers, and he says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, 
but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. These are wonderful words written to the the church, the saints, God's elect at Thessalonica. Again, it's a very, very young church, but he's bringing before them a great truth. That God had not appointed them to wrath. Look at these words right here. For God hath not appointed us, again, believers, born again believers, to wrath. Why would it say we're not appointed to wrath? Well, we know the justice of God has to be satisfied, right? It must be. We we transgress the law, and the law says the soul that sinneth, it must die. So by rights, the wrath of God should fall upon us for our sins. Because again, justice has to be satisfied. God, God's a just God, isn't he? And he's a savior too, praise be to his mighty name. He's not just a just God, but he's a savior too. So the very one who gives the law at Sinai is the very one who comes and fulfills the law in our room and place. And this is all planned and purposed by God because it says here, it says here, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. So the, the, the law of God must be satisfied in the place of God's elect, and it is in the substitutionary death and life, the life, living the perfect life, fulfilling the law totally for us, the sinless one, and the substitutionary death when he died on Calvary's cross. And that law was fully satisfied in our place. The sinless one died for sinners. The perfect man died for us. And again, like Travis said, if it's a perfect work, it must be accomplished by a perfect man. And that's the man Christ Jesus. God incarnate in the flesh. So where did the wrath of God go? For our sins. Where did it go? Because it says here, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. Where did that wrath go that was due you and I? Where did the wrath of God go that was due our sins? Well, it was extinguished. Extinguished. When you extinguish a fire, it ain't burning no more, is it? If you truly extinguish it, it's not burning anymore. It's just a heap of ash. It may smoke, but it, there's no fire anymore. Christ has extinguished the wrath of God that was against us. He took it all. And God will not punish those whom Christ redeemed and those whom Christ extinguished his wrath for he will not punish us twice. He won't, he won't say, well, it fell upon Christ, it's going to fall upon you too. No. Christ satisfied the law of God. Christ satisfied the wrath of God. He extinguished the wrath of God against us. So much so that God says, I don't remember your sins no more. <laughs> oh my. No more. Don't remember them at all. They're gone from my sight. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely incredible. So the wrath of God was extinguished by the death of Christ. The wrath that was due us as his people was poured out on Christ. And I mean it fell on him. So much so that he said, Father, if it be, be your will, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's the humanity of Christ speaking, isn't it? He was suffering in the garden. My, oh, my. But that wrath was poured out upon him, beloved. And remember, it's not just the wrath of God for your sins and mine. It's the wrath of God for a number that no man can number. And his work is so perfect, so complete, that the wrath of God is absolutely extinguished. Why did this occur? One may ask, why did that occur? Well, we see here, it was part of God, it was part of God's plan and purpose. It was part of God's plan and purpose that Christ would die for us. And so Paul's writing these words to the Thessalonians to comfort them about their dear brethren who have already passed on and and are now in the presence of the Lord. And he's writing these words to comfort them. And what great comfort they can bring us. And what great comfort they would have bought them when they received this letter. God's plan and purpose is unfolded before them. The purpose that that Christ would die for a people of God's choosing. Sinners who could never save themselves. This is clearly brought forth in the first part again of verse 9. It says, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. That was due us, wasn't it? But God hadn't appointed us to it. Again, he's writing to born-again, blood-washed believers who've been redeemed by the the sacrifice of Christ. And, And remember, remember this too. These words are written by inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. So this is God telling us this truth. This is God telling us this. And people who, people who say, well, I don't believe in election. I don't believe. They're just saying they don't believe what God says. Because it's in the scriptures. It's so clear, isn't it? But remember, we were at a point when we didn't understand it either. We pray that God would reveal the truth of that to them. Because it's, it's, it's so wonderful to know that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. It's so wonderful to know that, that the wrath that was due me, that, that I was appointed not to receive it. Oh my goodness. There's nothing in me that make, made God make that choice, was there? Nothing in you that made God make that choice. It was all according to the good pleasure of his will. That's what makes it incredible. That's what makes us marvel at this wonderful truth. It says right there, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. Clearly, God the Holy Spirit through the penmanship of Paul is is bringing forth that God's people are not appointed to wrath. We'll do it, though, by our sinful nature and our sinful ways, aren't we? But it was appointed that Christ would die for us. It was appointed by God that Christ would die for us and that he would extinguish the wrath of God against us. That was appointed by God. And God's telling us here that he did that. In very clear words that we can all understand, right? Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. In light of this wonderful truth we're looking at here. God's will and purpose is brought forth in the text here that he has not appointed his people to wrath. But we're appointed to salvation, beloved. Something we could never obtain on our own. He's appointed us not to wrath. What a blessing that is. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you're appointed to salvation too. <laughs> In Christ. In Christ. Look at these words in John chapter 5. Look at verses 24 to 27. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth, there, not just the hearing, but the believing. This is the miracle of grace. God gives us hearing ears. 
And he gives us faith to believe on Christ. And believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. Why? Because God hath not appointed us to wrath, beloved. Oh my, when you start to connect these verses together, it just make your heart sing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Well, we were dead spiritually, weren't we? This is speaking of the dead spiritually, beloved, too. We were dead, dead in trespasses and sins. And we heard the voice of God, didn't we? Through the preaching of his word. And we were made alive, weren't we? He called us. Remember like, like David called Mephibosheth to him? He called us. Like, like the Lord called Lazarus out of that tomb? Lazarus, come forth. Oh, Lazarus. He didn't say, well, I'll think about it. <laughs> Lazarus was stone cold dead. And he's risen in life. What a picture of our spiritual darkness that we're in. Dead in trespasses and sins. No life. And Christ says, Live! <laughs> and by the power of the Holy Spirit we're born again and granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ oh my verily verily I send you the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live not everybody hears right not everybody who's dead in trespasses and sins hears but those whom God hath not appointed to wrath, those who God has appointed to salvation in Christ by the effectual working of God the Holy Spirit, they believe. <laughs> Born again by his almighty power. It says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. He has all power. Our God, our, our Savior is the one who will judge all men. My, could you imagine those folks that say, well, I never believe in God, I don't believe in him, he's, oh, that's just a bunch. And then when they die, and when the great day of judgment comes, and they're, they're resurrected, right, to face the Lord Jesus Christ, because all will be bought to face Christ, right? And who do they see? And they know who he is. Now the devils know, right? Devils know, we've seen that in our study in James, they know and tremble. And we saw with the gathering demoniacs, they said, we know who you are, thou holy one of God. They know who he is. The scripture says the devils believe and tremble. They know who he is. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now those who falsely proclaim that God's people are saved by something they have to do, and they don't have an understanding of the truth. They just don't. And they don't understand the simplicity that's... There's truth and simplicity brought forth in these verses. They're very clearly stated. The truth is so very clearly stated in these verses before us. And let us not forget that we were ignorant of these things at one time. So we're not out to look down on folks. No, no. We were... I was totally ignorant of these truths. So God revealed them to me. Now I rejoice. Now I rejoice in these truths. I want to tell everybody about it. <laughs> this wondrous salvation. Let's read verse 9 again. We got nothing to boast in. Look at this. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. All by him. Now in our adult Sunday school, we've been going through the book of Galatians, where we've seen Paul's writing to the Galatian churches, another young a group of young churches which are, have been bewitched by false teachers, nothing but works mongers, who are mixing grace with the law and they can never mix because they're like oil and water. And let's read verse 9 with that in our minds again. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. What a truth. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ also who died for us. Salvation is in no way accomplished by we who are sinners. We see that so clearly here, right? It's so clearly brought forth here that salvation is not accomplished by us. We who are sinners. 
But we see it so clearly brought forth that, that salvation is accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And that God's people are appointed to salvation. We're not appointed to wrath, but we're appointed to salvation. How? Which has been obtained, right? Scripture says Christ obtained eternal redemption for us. So it's been obtained by the Lord Jesus Christ, by his perfect work. He's obtained salvation. It says, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And then look, at where I just put the latter verse of verse 10 in there. Look at also who died for us. How salvation obtained? By the death of Christ. He did it all. So we can conclude that since salvation is accomplished by Christ in him alone, by his finished work, then nothing that we do or nothing that anyone else does can frustrate that work. It's already done. Why would anyone want to add anything of man's tainted works, sinful works, to that which is a perfect work? Because man don't believe what the scriptures say. They don't believe God, who's the true author of these words. And I know that because I was there. My. But praise be to God, he didn't leave me in that state, and he didn't leave you in that state. Right? Raised us from spiritual deadness into life. Oh my, and what a life. Eternal life in Christ. My. Again, let's read that again. Let's read uh, Let's read First Thessalonians 9, and then we'll just read that first part again of verse 10. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. The sinless one. The sinless one died for us. And Paul's, Paul's including himself in there with the word us, isn't he? He died for all God's people. He didn't die for the whole world. They're saying, I don't believe what the Bible says. When it says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. They're saying, I don't believe that. My. And like I said, I can't boast in, in knowing that because I was right there. But God in his mercy saved me. My. I tell you what, God's sheep, God's lost sheep, will be born again. They will hear the gospel. God will have that, that gospel cross their path. And the Holy Spirit will make it effectual. But it will all happen at the time appointed to God. It will all happen then. My, oh my. Why will that happen? Because Christ redeemed them. But more so because God has not appointed them to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the redemptive work of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Why are you saved and your family members are not? Why am I saved and my two brothers are lost? Because God hath not appointed me to wrath. And I pray that, I pray, I pray that God has not appointed them to wrath, but I don't know. But I hope and pray that God has not appointed them to wrath. My, oh, my. My, oh, my. So rejoice, beloved. Nothing can frustrate the work of God. Nothing can frustrate God's purpose. He saved you. Christ saved you because God purposed it. God willed it. When did he, when did he not appoint us to wrath? Was it the day before we confessed Christ? You know that song, there's a new day, there's a new name written down in glory? I was talking to Norm Wells about that song. I used to really like that song. I really did. I used to really like it. And Norm goes, 
Norm ruined it for me this week. He goes, you know what that song's saying? And I said, no, what's that song saying? He says, that song is saying that the moment someone believes that their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, because there's a new name written in glory. I went, oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you know when God wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know when he did it? This is amazing. Before the foundation of the world. Isn't that incredible? He wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. They're mine. They're mine by will and purpose. They're mine because I choose them as mine. Oh, my. I was telling Norm that my parents told me that I was an accident. Right? That they weren't planning to have no other kids. Don't ever tell your kids they're accidents. It's just not a good thing to say to them. Just not a good thing. But they told me, oh, you were an accident. We weren't, we weren't planning on you. And I guess Norm, Norm's a twin. And Norm's mom went in to give birth. And Nancy said, well, Norm's a nothing like this. And I said, what do you mean by that? Norm's mom goes in to have twins. And the doctor's in there. And his brother comes out, right? And his doctor says, okay, we're done. And goes off. And <laughs> not, but not like three or four minutes, there's, the nurse chasing him down and says, there's another one. <laughs> So he calls himself a nothing. Because <laughs> you know, they, they thought here, they thought we're all, we're all done. <laughs> oh my goodness. That, and that was the days before they had the, the pictures they can take and all that stuff like they do now. So, oh my goodness. But you know what? Our births were planned and purposed by God. And so was yours. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's absolutely incredible. Because God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation in Christ, Jesus our Lord. My, oh my. So this salvation in Christ is assured to God's people. All the lost people shall be saved. And, and that's a number no man can number. Isn't that incredible? I heard Donnie Bell in the message this week. He said he, said he believes there are going to be more people in heaven than there will be be in hell. And, and his reason, he says, I ain't preaching. But his reasoning was, God's not going to let, let the devil have more than what he has. <laughs> oh, Donnie Bell. I can't wait till he comes this summer. My goodness. But we know it's a number no man can number, right? We know that. We know that for a fact. So, salvation, again, is, is in and through Christ. And it's assured to God's people. We see that in this verse. We see that it's assured to God's people. Before we ever we, we were even, you know, in eternity. I don't think I'm ever gonna get over that, to be honest with you. And I'll tell you this too. He is able, Christ is able to save all who come to him to the uttermost. So you say, Oh, I'm such a great sinner. Well, Christ saves great sinners, doesn't he? We're all prayer for that. All right? We're all proof of that. I love how Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, and every, every believer goes, no, that's me. That's me. <laughs> I'll take that one, Paul, but it's so true. I remember talking to someone one time. They said, <laughs> he said, oh, I never hated God. <laughs> that's not what the scripture says. You don't believe what the word of God says then. <laughs> Because it says we hate God in our, in our actions. That's the thing, in our sinfulness. We hate God. In our, in our, we, don't, we don't necessarily come out and say that in our lost estate. But by our actions, we're saying that. By our sinfulness, we're saying that. And isn't it amazing that the wrath due for all those sins fell upon Christ in our room and place? That's amazing. That's amazing. How much sin does it take for someone to be damned to hell? Just one. How many do we commit in the lifetime? Billions. When you start thinking that way, you start, you start thinking, what a great salvation this is. What a great deliverance this is. The salvation in Christ. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 10 of our text while you're turning there. 1 Thessalonians 5.10 says this, 
who died for us, being Christ, we are not obtained to wrath, but to obtain salvation in Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. That means whether we're alive on this earth or sleeping. The, the scripture refers to death sometimes as sleeping. And that's where the people have got this crazy doctrine of soul sleep. We're not, there's no such thing as soul sleep. You're either with the Lord or you're not. One or the other. There's no purgatory. There's no in-between stuff. That's just made up for people to make money. That's all that's for. Look at this, though, in John chapter 1. Why is this salvation assured? Someone might ask, well, why is this salvation assured? Why is it assured? Well, because it's in and through the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 1. Look at the first three verses. In the beginning was the Word. That's Christ. That's the, the second person of the Trinity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Scripture proclaims there. The same was in the beginning with God. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they, they dwelt in eternity. And they were perfectly content. Perfectly content. And it says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He made it all. Everything we see was all made by him. And then look at verse 14 to 17. And the word, that which was spoken of in verse 2. So how can we be assured that the salvation is, is sure and true? Because it was obtained by the God-man. It was obtained by his perfect work on Calvary's cross. Look at this. And the word, the one spoken of, who's God? In verses 1 and 2. The one who was in the beginning, that means in eternity with God. Look at this. Marvel at this. And the word was made flesh. Became a man. Still the word though, right? Now it's, he became a man. He became flesh. Bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. And dwelt among us. And remember, John's writing this. He saw him. He heard him. He laid his head upon Christ's breast. It says, And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then he brings in John the Baptist. He says, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. He's eternity. He's God from eternity. And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. And he's full of it. He's full of grace and truth. He's full of mercy. My. Come unto me. He's, his own words. The one who's full of mercy and truth says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, my. Now let's look at the truth presented in verse 10. The fact that God's elect are united to Christ, whether, they, whether in life or in death. Look at this. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. What a promise. We should live together with Christ. Scripture says, I'm, Paul wrote, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet, yet not I, but the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is everything to us. He's our all in all now. And we are united to Christ by our life is joined to his life. He's the head and we're the body. You can't have life without the head, can you? Somebody's head gets chopped off and the body just falls down. My, oh my. The heart may pump for a few, few seconds, but eventually it'll stop. Well, so whether you live, whether you wake or sleep, we will live together with Christ. 
My. So what an enduring basis we have here of salvation. We who are the people of God, what an enduring salvation we have. It's sure because it's in the eternal one. It's been accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the eternal one. We saw that in John, John, John 1, 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So grief over the dead is natural, right? We weep for the, we weep for the dead. We do. But for believers who, who die in the faith, we have hope for the resurrection. Because of Christ. Because of Christ. When a loved brother or sister in Christ departs from this world, we will rejoice in the truth, even though we're going through pain and sorrow of the loss of them being with us. We will rejoice that one day we will see them again face to face. And we will we will praise our... We're going to be singing Worthy as a Lamb with them. That's what they're doing right now. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, worthy is he to receive all glory and honor and blessing. <laughs> and we will be amongst that throne. We will be amongst that people. Why? Because God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Oh, it's wonderful. So what great blessings we have in Christ. All spiritual blessings. Contrast with this, with the heathens of old. The Greeks believed in the immortality of the soul, but they knew nothing about the resurrection of the body. They didn't believe in a resurrection. Their dead were called shades. Shades. And the Egyptians did not believe in the resurrection of the body, so what a hope we have as believers in Christ of the resurrection of the body. We're going to be given a new body. That body won't ache or pain like, like ours does now. None, nothing like that at all. My. In the Old Testament, two doctrines in the Old Testament that culminated in the gospel is the immortality of the soul and the resurrection of the body. But these two doctrines are not clearly understood in the Old Testament times as in the New. Now these doctrines are illustrated by the death of Christ, who died and who has now risen again, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And if as God the Holy Spirit, by Paul here, taught the church that, that God hath not appointed the church to wrath, but hath appointed us to salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, could that ever be frustrated by anything man does? Nope. What hope that gives us. We can't mess up God's salvation. See, there's some groups out there that say, you can lose your salvation by something you do, and then, then you can get it back by something you can do, and then you can lose it again, and you can get it back. I'll tell you, I preach the gospel. I preach a Christ who saved his people from their sins and he keeps them because he's God in the flesh as we saw. And there's nothing we can do that can mess up that salvation. And that's glorious, isn't it? Now we can go through some rough times, can't we, because of our sinfulness. But God will never cast us away. He may correct us, eh? That's what the scripture says. He corrects us every once in a while. But he'll never cast us away. Never. Oh, it's glorious. It's all so glorious. But God who appoints these blessed ones to be saved from wrath and to obtain salvation, has he also not confirmed that it would be so? And also that they are secure? Would he not secure the means for the accomplishment of his purpose? If he says, if he says, I'll, I'll not appoint them to wrath, will he not appoint and confirm and make sure that his will will be accomplished? 
Is it possible to suppose that any situation shall arise where, which God did not foresee? No. And has God not made provision for what he said he would do? We're not appointed the wrath. Why? Because he provided his son to die in our room and place. That Christ would obtain salvation for us. That it would be his work and his work alone. Oh, what a blessed security for the church. That's security. What hope that gives us. God has not appointed us to wrath, but, he, but he's appointed us to salvation. And he's, he's made sure that all the elect are everlastingly secure in Christ. He's made sure. His will will not be thwarted. Because he chose the church in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He predestinated the church under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself. He we're accepted in the beloved. And God the Father in the high covenant offices of his everlasting love, he's mercifully made such full and sure provision for our security. How? In Christ. And by what he's done. So can man or devils or anything or anyone frustrate his will? No. No one. Not even us. That's why it says no man, um, that, that Christ will not lose one whom the Father gave him. Not one, because we're in his hands. We're in the hands of God. My. And the Holy Spirit has added in the scripture another blessed cause of assurance. He that appointed us to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ has confirmed it in Christ by his death. For we are told here that Christ died for us. And whether we wake or sleep, whether we live or die, we who are the born-again, blood-washed people of God will live together with Christ forever. Oh, there's a, there's a pillar and ground of truth, isn't it? And what do we say? Hallelujah! Praise his mighty name for such a wonderful, sure, full salvation. And it's all in Christ Jesus and him alone. Nowhere else. If you do not know Christ, may God... Grant your faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul said, thou shalt be saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather together. Allowing us to be here. Giving us a place again that we can come and worship.